This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And Clark hits it up the middle and a center field base hit. Maldonado scores. Here comes Butler on his way to third as Thompson, the Giants lead 3-1. That line drive into center field by Will Clark sent the Giants to the World Series for the first time in 27 years and completed one of the great playoff performances we've ever seen from a player. You know the numbers. But what about the story, like how he knew what Greg Maddox was about to throw him before his legendary Game 1 Grand Slam? Those moments and many more as we go inside Will Clark's Giant Moments now. Now. This is Inside Giant Moments, presented by Oracle. Our franchise has countless memorable, iconic moments. Join Mark Willard as he connects with our former players who lived these moments to relive the emotions, the stories, and the joy. Will Clark joins the Inside Giant Moments podcast. It is really incredible to have you, Will. A real honor. Thank you so much for making the time. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Looking forward to uh, taking a few walks down memory lane here. So thank you so much. No doubt about it. And you've got a lot of them. So, um, I, I, you know, let's, no better place to start than the beginning. Um, let's, let's start with draft day. You're taking number two overall by the Giants in 1985. Uh, you're a Southern kid and now suddenly on track to play in San Francisco. What, what were your thoughts at that time? You know, it was, um, it was one of those things. We had come off of the Olympic team in 1984, and then I had a really good uh, junior in, in uh, the spring of '85, and uh, it, was, it was pretty much known that the uh, the guys who won the Olympic team were going to be kind of the first picks, and uh, it just so happened that uh, um, BK Sarhoff, who went uh, number one that year, he. Uh, he wanted the honor of being number one, so uh, so um, you know I, I fell in there right behind him at two, and then Barry Larkin and Bobby Witt and Chris Gwynn were all right behind me. These were all teammates of mine from the '84 uh, uh, Olympic team. Uh, you were on the fast track pretty quickly. Uh, did you get that sense right away when you were in the minors uh, that it was going to be a, a brief stay there? Uh, I did not. Um, I actually really didn't kind of know what to expect. You want to know the truth? I, I showed up in the pro ball, and uh, the, they sent me a high A ball, which was Fresno at the time. And uh, the Fresno Giants had had a rough first half. And myself, uh, the number two pick, who was a right-handed pitcher by the name of Brian Anutka, um, and then uh, my teammate at Mississippi State, Jeff Brantley, we all showed up. And uh, immediately had an impact on that team. I don't know what it was, but we changed the dynamic of that whole team. And uh, we wound up uh, finishing, believe it or not, in uh, in first place. We went 15-15 for the second half, and we wound up being in first place. And uh, from there, uh, we went on and uh, won, the, won the Cal League Championship. 
You know, it's interesting that you say, gosh, who, who knows what it was that sort of changed the fortune, fortunes of the of the organization. The same thing happened when you arrived at the big club. Have you have you had a chance to sort of reflect on that in your career about how your arrivals places coincided with uh, w- w- with a real culture change within those teams? Well, you know, I was always one of those kind of guys growing up. Uh, you know, my dad emphasized the fact that, you know, it was a competition. Uh, we were going to compete. We were going to have fun, but at the same time, we were going to compete. And uh, I pretty much took that with uh, every ball club that I was on was, hey, look, we're out here having a good old time. Don't get me wrong. But in the end, uh, it's time to win. I'm not out here playing playing tiddlywinks to make friends and stuff like that. I'm, I'm out here competing. And, uh, you know, just winning followed me. And I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't expect any less from anybody else who was uh, part of my team. And, uh, you know, the winners and losers sort of weed themselves out. Uh, April the following year after you arrive in pro ball, you suddenly find your first at bat against Nolan Ryan, and, and we know the result. We'll get to that. But I, I, I would love to start with your emotions that day. What, what do you remember from that morning or your arrival in the, in the clubhouse before the game? What, what are you kind of going through emotionally at that time? Uh, emotionally, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess you want to say, I'm, I'm extremely nervous, um, <laughs> you know, because I know, as you well said, I, I know I'm facing Nolan Ryan, you know, the – the, the best that's ever been, and uh, you know I gotta I gotta bring the A game, and uh, you know the the guys on the team were really nice about it. They told me that he likes to pitch away, and when he comes in, it would be for like effect almost, and so I kind of you know took their leadership right there, and I was looking for for the pitches away, and uh, the first pitch actually he did me a favor, believe it or not, he threw me a curveball. And uh, even though most people would say, you know, what's the big deal about that? Well, it was, it allowed me to kind of uh, relax almost um, because, you know, I saw the ball really well. And after that, I just sort of said, well, you know, this is just a regular at-bat. You know, I just got a little tougher competition out here. And uh, the next pitch was a fastball. He missed up in the way. I saw it real well. And then the third pitch was – was the fastball that got whacked. Here's Nolan's 1-1 offering to Clark. Fly ball deep to center field. Tony Walker heading for the warning track for Will Clark. It is out of here. Will Clark, his first major league at bat, and he pounds it over the 400 feet mark off Nolan Ryan. He was trying to go away. The catcher had set up away, and uh, he just left it out over the heart of the plate. And when I hit it, you know, you're in the Astrodome there, and I hit it to dead center field. And like, well, I caught that one pretty good, but there was no way on God's green earth I knew that ball was going out of the ballpark. <laughs> yeah, your your thought your thought at that point is what? Maybe double? So you're you're running hard. Oh yeah, I'm definitely running hard. I was I wasn't backing down on anything, and uh, you know, um, it was it was kind of funny because you know uh, I touched home plate, and yeah, you know, I kind of just floated around the bases. I touched home plate and. You know, pointed to my family in the stands and then high-five everybody, all that sort of stuff. And I don't know, this, this sense of calm came over me when I was sitting on the bench for a minute. And uh, Chili Davis, who was, you know, one of my mentors, uh, was sitting right next to me. And I looked at Chili and I go, 
he's going to drill me next time up. And he goes, oh, hell yeah. And <laughs> so, so the next at bat, the next at bat, I walk up the home plate, and Nolan's in his windup, and I'm kind of halfway on the way to the ground. So it was funny. What what did he end up doing with that pitch and in that at bat? Uh, it was it was high and tight, but uh, it was it was definitely a, a message pitch. It wasn't meant to hit me. <laughs> you know, I, I remember watching that highlight so many times. I almost feel like when that when that first pitch curveball did come in, and and you probably, as you said, weren't expecting a curveball. You stepped out of the box and kind of had a sheepish look on your face and and tapped your head to the side. What what were you thinking about in that moment? Believe it or not, uh, I was actually having a conversation with the catcher. Um, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that, but I was having a conversation with the catcher. I sort of stepped out and I was sort of kind of had a big smile on my face, and the catcher looks up at me, and he goes, uh, what are you laughing at? And I go, the express is throwing me curveballs. You know, and uh, and I got back in there, and like I said, two pitches later, uh, one of them got whacked. So, did that moment change anything for you right away? Because it was as if you—I mean—you had quickly proven yourself to the team and and to the world, even though you had just arrived. You know, for me personally, it was it was the fact that you know I love this game so much. And uh, it's it's a very special game to me, uh, but also at the same time, no matter kind of what level you're playing at, you know when you step up and you face the big boys and you're able to succeed against the people that are on the next level, it's a it's a definite sense of accomplishment. And uh, you know, for me personally, um, I mean, it, it just it, everything had come pretty quickly you know i mean i was in the olympics you know literally less than a year earlier i was in college less than a year earlier i was in a ball less than a year earlier and now i'm in the big leagues and i'm hitting off nolan ryan uh you guys made some strides that year as a team for sure and it kind of set up the following year in 1987 which was a team that went to the postseason in your words what was the key to to the shift of the organization at that time Oh, I think, um, you know, Al Rosen, who was our general manager, and Roger Craig, who was our manager, um, you know, they were not happy with kind of the status quo. Uh, the San Francisco Giants had lost 100 games in 1985, and uh, it was it was not happy times in the Bay Area. And, and so Roger and Al gave uh, myself and Robbie Thompson a shot as rookies. Uh, to, to shore up the uh, right side of the infield, which we did. And, um, you know, the San Francisco Giants had a winning record in 1986. And so coming into 1987, they wanted to build on that, and they wanted to make the playoffs and go from there. And, you know, Al and, and Roger both told me that, hey, look, you need to take this team and let's let's go. And I'm like, you got that. I'm I'm on board with this, and uh, so that's how we we went about it. Uh, that '87 season, you started the All Star game at first base. What did that mean to you? Um, that was that was a pretty unbelievable moment in my life. You know, I had come from like I said, college, uh, my rookie year. 
uh, I wound up, believe it or not, I broke my elbow. And, uh, you know, so I had surgery during the offseason. I really did a lot of work during the offseason to try to get back to being, I guess you want to say, who Will Clark was in the past. And uh, it it paid off. I mean, it really paid off because, uh, uh, you know, I had a great first half and was able to make the all-star team. And, and for me personally, that was like the, the crowning jewel that, hey, look, all the hard work was worth it. A month later, August 10th, 1987, does that date ring a bell for you? Uh, not really. Okay. I remember listening to the game uh, with a, uh, a transistor radio under my pillow. I used to do that at night when my parents, I found out now, they, they knew I was awake, but I thought that they thought I was asleep, and I would listen to the end of your games. You guys are down 5-4. to four. Uh, Candy Maldonado leads off the bottom of the ninth with a solo oh, home to okay. tie the game. Yeah. yeah, and then you, you stride to the plate, and on a two-one pitch, there it goes. What, what, how, how do you put that night into words? What were you What were you thinking and feeling? <laughs> um, you know, we went into that game uh, against the Astros, and it was it was um, you know really really the, the kind of center part of uh, the season. Cause I mean, we're trying to make our playoff push right there and uh, we were losing by a run. They brought in a guy by the name of Dave Meads and uh, immediately uh, Candy model, Candy Maldonado goes to, to three, two in the count against Dave Meads and fouls off a few pitches and winds up hitting the ball out of, you know, the ballpark there in, uh, in Candlestick tied the ball game up, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that was that was as dramatic as they come. Right. And I'm the, I'm the next, you know, I'm the next guy up. So, um, you know, I, I remember the first two pitches uh, were a little off. He threw me some breaking balls, and the third pitch, um, which was about two feet off the plate. <laughs> uh, was called was called a strike by Eric Gregg, the uh, home plate umpire, and uh, I know I I kind of jumped up and down in the batter's box, and you know you're not supposed to show up an umpire, and he was looking at me, he said you better get in this batter's box, and so I knew that the next pitch was going to be called a strike no matter where it was, so I was being <laughs> kind of super aggressive, and uh, the next pitch just happened to be a fastball up and out over the plate, and. It was it was one of those. As soon as you hit it, it was a no doubter, and uh, you know it wound up going into the upper deck of Candlestick. And two on pitch on the way. Clark hits it deep to right. Goodbye. See you later. The Giants win it. Upper deck. Oh, he's done it. The Giants come from behind to win it, six to five. It was one of the first first times in my life and I think I was kind of mad from the, the 2-0 call but it was the first time in my life I really sort of pimped a home run and I walked down the line about five <laughs> six steps and then took off running so yeah I noticed that about that highlight because that was not that was not your normal way to to you know no. to, to look at a home run yeah no I was I was I was not that guy uh you know Matt Williams and I both uh, you know, we were the guys that, you know, put our heads down and, and took off running and and uh, we were trying not to, you know, show up the other team. And 
you know, it was just one of those things where I, I think, like I said, I think I was a little mad at the 2-0 call and, you know, he forced my hand into now I got to be like super aggressive because he's going to call his next pitch a strike. And like I said, the, the next ball just was up and out over the plate and it was able to get tattooed. <laughs> into the upper deck at uh, Candlestick Park. Let's uh, let's flash forward to what stands out for you about the 1987 NLCS against the Cardinals. Um, I actually uh, had a pretty good series. Um, you know, I was I was pretty I was pretty uh, locked in there at the end of the year. Matter of fact, um, I hit two home runs the last day of the season to uh to get 35 homers so you know for the majority of that season i wasn't hitting in one of the power spots i was either actually believe it or not started 1987 i, I was actually a leadoff guy because dan gladden had broke a finger and uh so we needed a leadoff guy so i was a leadoff guy for about a month and a half and then i swung around into the you know the seven hole and so i stayed in the seven hole most of the year but you know those playoffs. You know I was I was pretty comfortable. I was I was feeling good. I had always hit real well in in uh, St. Louis, and uh, you know it, it was a battle in between two storied franchises, and it just so happened that uh, you know they got the best of us out of out of the deal. Uh, it definitely set things up for what was going to unfold over the next few years. A couple years later. 1989, obviously, a very special year for a lot of reasons. You and Kevin Mitchell finish one and two in the MVP voting. The Pacific Sock Exchange arrives. In what way did you two feed off one another at that time? Um, I think we both fed off each other, I mean, um, extremely well. Uh, Kevin, Kevin even said something in an interview a while back saying about how in his eyes, it was always a competition between me and him. And I didn't look at it that way. Uh, Kevin kind of did look at it that way, but my thing was, I just, I wanted to, you know, go out there and and beat whoever I'm playing that day. And, uh, you know, I knew that Kevin was extremely hot. uh, And so, and he stayed hot the whole year. So, I'm going to, like I told you before, you know, I'm a, I'm a team guy and I'm going to do anything possible, you know, to get on for that guy. Because when a guy's hot like that, I mean, you want to, you want to see what fireworks are going to come out of it. Do you remember clinching the division that year? You guys had lost earlier in the day. And then I think Eric Davis had an RBI double to, to beat the Padres, and that put you guys in. Were you all watching together? What was happening at that time? Uh, it was actually, uh, believe it or not, they, they finished up before us, and so it was on the scoreboard. And, uh, you know, we were able to, uh, you know, even though the game wasn't over, and even though, believe it or not, we wound up losing that game, uh we were able to uh, kind of see what, what, what transpired as far as, like I said, the, uh, the, um, it was the Reds and the Astros, I think it was. And so, uh, you know, we went into the uh, clubhouse and uh, we did some celebrating and I got carried away a little bit more than what I normally should. 
<laughs> well, uh, that's that is an iconic moment as it's uh, as it's turned out, and uh, I think a lot of people look back on that and uh, with a lot of joy and laughter because that's what it looked like. But yeah, what was what was happening in in your words in the clubhouse, and and w- <laughs> what brought about that reaction? You're overmodulating. games in 1985 and you know now we're in the playoffs and you know we head head you know to the postseason and you know I had had a elbow surgery and recovered from that made an all-star team and I mean on and on and on and on and so you know for me personally uh you know it had been even though it was a very quick journey it was a long journey and uh you know, I just I just let it all out, and uh, you know, I dropped a few f bombs. Uh, said, uh, you know, I've been waiting for this for a long time. You know, and some of my teammates are like, "What? What? You ain't been here two years?" You know, and so <laughs> anyway, so it was it was it was fun. I mean, and I'm that kind of guy. I'm I'm not gonna hold it inside. I'm I'm the guy who's gonna you know lay it all out there. I mean, the fans saw me. You know, I mean, arguing with umpires. You know, I'll. You know, I'd get a little testy every now and then with, you know, people from the media. I mean, just on and on. But that's that's me. I don't hide anything. Game one against the Cubs and LCS. Were you feeling locked in right from the start? Uh, you know, that is a great question because uh, Wrigley was not one of the ballparks that I really liked to play in. Uh, for whatever reason, I just did not see the ball real well at Wrigley. And um, on the flip side of that, it was also the first time that the Durians had ever played there um, at night because the, they had just installed lights. And usually we played there like in April when wind was blowing in. It's the first time I ever played there when wind was trying to blow them out. So it was mm-hmm. it was like completely different going into that series. Uh, you doubled in the very first inning. You homered in the third, and it felt like that kind of set the tone for the whole series. Did did you feel some sort of uh, momentum with the club at that point? Um, you know, it, it was um, it was you know we were a very good ball club, and Brett Butler kind of made our offense go. And uh, you know, I, I've I told him on several occasions, and, and he'll, he'll even tell you this. I mean, I used to tell him all the time. I said, you go, we go. And and that was the truth. I mean, you know, if, if he could get on base, uh, I mean, all hell broke loose out there. And, you know, he wound up getting out there. Uh, he got on in the first inning, got over to second base. And Maddox threw me a sinker down in the way, and I, I went to left field with it and got a double out of it, drove in Brett. 
Clark has changed considerably as a hitter. This year he hit 333, but sacrificed a little power. Having hit 35 and 29 in the first two years, he hit 23 this year. And he slices one in the gap, and Walden can't get it. It's backed up by Smith. Clark into second base with the double. So the Giants do what they want to do. They get the drop. And they lead one to nothing as Clark, a fly ball double up the alley. And Butler brings home the run. Will Clark of the beautiful swing, and what a gorgeous swing he does have. Uh, next at bat, I uh, went to 3-2 against Maddox. And he had not thrown me in at all, period. And uh, he, he threw me, you know, some pitches away. I went to 3-2. And he threw me a 3-2 changeup, and I, I hooked him out of right center field. Clark's been a second in the National League to Tony Gwynn. Three and two, the count to Clark. Clark, a big, long swing, but once that bat head gets to the strike zone, very quick bat speed. A drive to right and deep. Dawson going back on the track to the Ivy. It's gone. Home run, Will Clark. And the Giants take a four to two lead. Now, let's see. Are they going to throw it back? Or are they going to keep it? You know, that's been a tradition here. It would appear as if it's going to stay in the bleachers. No, it's been thrown out. <laughs> and so, you know, this is my, now I'm coming up for my third at bat. And, you know, he still has not thrown me in yet, but he's pounding Butler and Pat Sheridan in. Pat Sheridan was left handed that was in our lineup. And so I was, you know, I kind of had it in the back of my head that, you know, I was going to look for a fastball in because the base is loaded two outs. And Don Zimmer goes out to the mound, and he's talking to Maddox, and Maddox is looking right at Zimmer, and I'm in the on-deck circle. I'm looking right at him. And he says, fastball in, and I read his lips. And so, you know, I told Kevin Mitchell about it, and Kevin says, well, what you going to do? I said, I'm going to look fastball in. And uh, <laughs> so, so I walked up to home plate and dug my hole and uh, – we call it cutting it short. I cut I cut it where it was standing in the batter's box a little short, and so I was about four more inches off the plate than what I normally would be. And uh, it was a fastball right on that inner part of the plate. And it was another one of those ones when you hit it, you, like, immediately know it's gone. Bases loaded. Giants four. Cubs three. Top of the fourth inning. Two out. Clark standing in, and Maddox throws, and Clark swings. High drive. Right field. Going. Gone! Grand slam home run for Will Clark. Well, take a ride on that one. That ball was kissed. Uh, does Maddox know now this part of that story that you read his lips? Yes, he does. He does. I mean, he was such a detail-oriented guy. It's amazing that he made that mistake. Well, I don't know if he made a mistake, per se, as much as uh, it was just me paying attention to the game. Right. Right, right. You know, uh, when, I mean, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that wouldn't even think. You know, hey, you're in the on deck circle. Why are you looking at the pitcher? Well, I'm looking at the pitcher. Find out if I can pick anything up. And I picked <laughs> something up that, oh my God, it paid dividends. <laughs> yes, it did. And uh, I, I remember the scene when you got back to the dugout. You had some uh, some very intense high fives and a lot going on. What do you remember about the reception oh, yeah. when you got oh, back yeah. to the dugout? Yeah, I got back. I got back to the dugout. And first thing I told everybody, I was screaming and yelling. And I said, "How about that one, boys?" <laughs> <laughs> and, 
they they didn't know they didn't know the story at the time, and then like I said, Kevin had, Kevin Mitchell had wound up telling a few of the guys, and then so a few of those guys told the media and stuff like that, and uh, so uh, you know the the next year, I guess you want to say uh, during spring training, I mean you know every time the pitchers went out to the mound. You know, or the catches went out to the mound. They, you know, everybody had their gloves over their faces. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> they found out. You know, and then, so I had to go. I had to go to Kevin. I said, did you tell anybody? He goes, well, we just told all of our teammates. And I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I mean, you see that across all sports now, right? I mean, football coaches are covering their face. Did you start that? Uh, I started it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, appreciate it. <laughs> you know, and it, 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 the thing that the thing that's the funny part about that is, you know, I mean, now I'm working with you know some some of the guys who are on the Giants and stuff like that, and especially like the minor leaguers and stuff like that. And um, I was in uh, I was in Double A, and one of our catchers went up to the mound, and you know he's got his you know, you know the catchers now they got those hockey masks on. And so, you know, he's got his hockey mask on and all that, and he's covering his face with his glove with his hockey mask. And he comes back to the dugout after the end is over and said, hey, you doofus. I said, nobody can see your freaking face because you, you got the hockey mask on and you're covering up your mouth. Now nobody can hear you. <laughs> over so, the top a little bit. They've taken, they've taken it a step too far. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, that entire series for you, um, it was the uh, fourth best average by a player in a playoff series ever. You hit 650. It was the highest ever by somebody who had at least 20 at-bats in a series. What was going on with you? Why, why, why was everything so perfectly locked in? You know, it, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, you know, people people will say it. You know, and it's it's definitely the truth. I mean, it's it's almost like everything looks like a beach ball coming at you. And you know, for me personally, uh, that whole series was kind of that way. Um, I mean, I stayed locked in, um, not only at the plate, but just the fact the way I was thinking. Um, you know, if I wanted to look fastball in, I got it. If I wanted to look breaking ball away, I got it. You know, it was just the, the stars were aligning pretty good that whole series. And, uh, you know, it doesn't happen often, but when it happens, it's it's pretty magical. And it was it was definitely magical for me right there. It culminates in game five with your famous battle with Mitch Williams. I know you and Dusty Baker had a conversation before the at-bat about you facing Mitch. What, what went on in that conversation? Well, um, you know, Dusty was my hitting instructor for, you know, five years before he became my manager in 93. And we had an unbelievable rapport. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, Dusty and I were, were like two peas in a pod. He would, he would tell me something, and I'll be damned if it didn't come true. And so, you know, I bought into the program. And for me personally, in, in a lot of the guys nowadays – you in and I'm, I'm seeing it a lot on the Giants now is everybody's really mechanically oriented in that they they think that if they miss a pitch it's because their hands weren't here my feet weren't there or whatever and that's not the case in baseball a lot of times you just flat out miss it all right but 
if you anticipate the pitch or you are paying attention to the game and you've got a pretty good idea of what's coming before it's thrown, uh, you can always beat the guy to the punch. And, you know, Dusty and I had talked about Mitch Williams. Matter of fact, I walked over there to him. And, you know, I walked over to Dusty because, you know, it takes Williams a while to come in from the bullpen. I'm still going to watch Williams warm up because I want to see, hey, is he throwing his fastball for strikes? Is he throwing his break ball for strikes while he's warming up? And uh, Dusty says, hey, look, this guy's got a lot better control than what everybody thinks. And I said, yeah, I know, I've, I've seen that before. Because I, I hadn't faced Mitch with maybe one time before. And so, anyway, so we had a big, you know, Dusty and I had a big conversation about it. And, uh, you know, he said, he said, you know, go up there and get you, get you a final hit and do your thing. And I go, I go, where do you think he's going to throw it? And the first thing out of his mouth was, he's going to go fastball away. I said, all right, thanks. And, and that was the whole conversation in between me and Dusty. I went up to home plate. Uh, the first fastball was, I mean, 97 right on the outside corner. There was absolutely nothing I could do with it, so I just let it go. And then the uh, the next fastball I fouled off, so I'm in the hole 0-2. And I remember stepping out the batter's box, and I took this big, huge, deep breath. And, uh, you know, people asked me, what were you doing right there? And I said, I was just telling myself that, hey, look, you know, now – I got a battle, you know, I'm in the hole. Like I said before, this is a, this is a competition. Now I got a battle. I got to find a way to get myself out of this hole or find a way to get this job done. And, uh, it just so happened that, that, um, you know, I, I wound up falling off a pitch or two and then I got, I tried to get back in the count. I was able to get back in the count to a decent count. And, uh, then all of a sudden, he threw a high fastball. I forget which pitch it was. It was, it was the pitch before I got the base hit. He threw a high fastball, and I followed it straight back. And I do remember saying, oh, that was it right there. I said, if I get that one again, I said, I'm going to do some damage. And uh, it just so happened that he threw the same fastball about, I don't know, 97, 96, 97, and I was able to uh, get on top of it and whack the hell out of it and, uh, Robbie Thompson went two two runs scored. Uh, Maldonado and Butler scored, and then Robbie Thompson went to third. And I remember, you know, being on first base and Wendell Kim grabbing me and hugging me. And uh, the, the first thing I thought is I'm pointing at the dugout because this is for the guys. Maldonado with a lead from third. Butler off second. Thompson from first in the pitch, and Clark hits it up the middle in a center field base hit. Maldonado scores. Here comes Butler on his way to third as Thompson, the Giants lead three to one, and Superman has done it again. What a what a what a moment! What a moment! And I mean, it felt like it lasted for a, a long time. Like, do you go back and watch that at bat? I mean, through the foul balls and the emotion of it, the whole thing just felt like it was in slow motion. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of times where, you know, I do, uh, you know, whether it be thinking about that pitch or, you know, thinking about that at bat. And, you know, I still remember till this day. I really do vividly remember. I remember that pitch I fall back. And I remember, you know, basically saying to myself, oh, that was it right there. 
you know, if I get it again, I'm going to get him. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of times where, you know, those, those kind of at-bats come back and, uh, you know, they, they just sneak in your brain and you're sitting there and you might be having an adult beverage and uh, you just start smiling. Everybody's like, why are you smiling? I'm like, ah, there's some good memories I'm smiling about right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, a half inning later, you also catch the ball from Robbie Thompson for the final out. You squeeze that glove, and, and the Giants are going to the World Series for the first time in 27 years. I wonder how you would describe your feelings at that moment. I mean, the entire weight of the city and, and all of its energy is just pointed right at you. Well, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty special uh, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much stuff that was going on right then and there. And, uh, you know, to, to finally, you know, and this is what I kind of told everybody was to finally put the nail in the coffin. Um, that was a big deal. And, and, you know, the last out of the game was Ryan Sandberg, who we, you know, kind of had problems with and, you know, the, they had tie and run was out there. I mean, there's all kinds of craziness going on. And so, you know, for us to, to get it done, and get it done at home because nobody wanted to go back to Wrigley. Um, you know, it was really special. And, you know, I got back in in the clubhouse and, you know, everybody was talking about being MVP and stuff like that. And I, for me, I, you know, look, it was a great honor. Don't get me wrong, but man, we were going to the world series. That's where I want to be. I, I had been, I had been in the world series on every level that I've ever played baseball I wanted to go to Major League World Series, and we made it happen. Uh, the World Series that uh, that then unfolded was obviously a very different experience for so many different reasons. Let's start at the beginning. What what stands out from the first two games in Oakland? Uh, first two games in Oakland were the fact that they just they played extremely well. This was this was going to be a all out battle. Um, you know they they had. They had a really good ball club, and you know uh, we came up on the, on the short end of it. But we were also, like you kind of said, we were going back to Candlestick, and we had played so well in front of our home folks. And you know, you show up, and you know, you're out there, you're getting ready, and you're looking around, and you're like, oh my god, this place is packed. You know, I mean, it's 60, 60 thousand people watching a baseball game, and. Uh, you know, then needless to say, the the, the the earthquake hit. Candy Maldonado with the hesitation, allowing Jose Canseco to score, and he fails to get Dave Parker at second base, so the Oakland A's take... take I'll tell you what, we're having an earthquake.
take us through what you were doing as as 504 hits. Uh, this was before, you know, the, the introductions. And so normally most people are, are going to be out running sprints, you know, stuff like that. And uh, that was definitely kind of what I was doing at the time. Uh, I had, I had run a, a, a sprint to center field and I was, I was walking back and uh, it sounded like the uh, F-15s flying over. Uh, it was a huge loud roar. And I looked up, and about the time I looked up, uh, I mean, all hell broke loose. I mean, uh, you could see the light tower swaying back and forth. Uh, you could see a big wave coming through the uh, the stands, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. And, uh, you know, w- when the, the tremors hit, it damn near knocked me off my feet. And, you know, I was standing out there, like I said, in center field, and I was just waiting on everything to subside. You know, once everything subsided, I mean, you know, the people in San Francisco, they're, they're, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're kind of used to it. They've been through a few of them and, yep. you know, they start cheering, you know, like, like, Hey, this is just normal out here. Let's go. And, uh, you know, I got back to the, uh, I got back to the dugout and, uh, the police radios were, were blowing up, uh, talking about all the stuff that was going on with, you know, the mar- Marina and the Bay bridge and all that sort of stuff. And one of the policemen that was, Standing there next to the dugout, he looked at me and said, Will, he says, we are not playing this. And, uh, you know, right then and there, I kind of knew how, you know, serious it was. What were those immediate emotions as you're, as you're thinking about not just that night, but, but what this would mean going forward? Um, you know, I was, I was really, really concerned at that time with the loss of life. Um, you know, not only, you know, from the, from the Bay Bridge collapse, but also, you know, the, the freeway over there in Oakland. I, I think it was the Nimitz. Is that what it was called? Well, I think it was the, the interchange of 580. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. You know, the, the collapse that it had and, uh, you know, how many people lost their lives. I was, I was more worried about that than I was about the baseball end of things. Because, um, it, you know, I mean, you're always going to get back to the baseball end of things. Uh, baseball always marches on no matter what happens. And uh, that's, that's that was kind of my thinking. And I just wanted to make sure everybody was okay. Uh, so there's a little break from the game. What what are you doing during that time? Um, the first day, uh, believe it or not, I mean, we, we really didn't have anything going on. And we couldn't go back to Candlestick and – so um, we had a big barbecue uh, at the uh, at the at the um, the hotel, and I uh, had even like Chris Berman was there. I mean, there was a lot of people that just sort of kind of showed up unannounced, and uh, everybody had a came and had a big barbecue with the thrill. So uh, <laughs> it was kind of kind of kind of funny. But then uh, yeah, after that, we we got back to you know what we needed to do and. One of the things that, you know, everybody on the team was pretty adamant about was helping out the community. And so I know that, you know, we went around to different, you know, food shelters and stuff like that and helped serve meals and stuff like that. When you guys return to action, how are you feeling and, and how is that different from what you had been feeling going into game three? Uh, well, I mean, 
I really didn't know what to expect. Uh, I had never been through something like this before. And how do we go about, you know, you know, playing ball uh, as as a ball player, you never have, you know, more than about two days off during during the course of a of a regular season. And now here we are, and you know, I've had ten days off, and it's it's almost like you got to knock the rust off and, and it's spring training all over again. Except it wasn't spring training; it was the World Series, and uh, you know. We didn't play too well the last two games, and Oakland did play well, and they wound up sweeping us. Uh, but truthfully, I mean, and this is coming from the bottom of my heart, you know, when you make the World Series and you have something like this happen, uh, you know, it the World Series definitely lost a lot of its luster for me when, when we got back on the field because, you know, I was still worried about, you know, people and loss of life in, in the community. Is that entire experience still kind of tough to process the way it played out? Yeah, I don't know if it's tough to process, but it's it's tough to revisit as much yeah. as I'm asked about it, you know, because every year I'm asked about it. And, you know, to a certain extent, you know, you want it to just sort of go away, but then also at the same time it's the fact that, hey, look, you know, it, it's part of, you know, baseball lore. It's part of, you know, Giants history. And so – you know, people do need to know what went on at that time and what was going on, what we were feeling, what we were thinking. That team had a reunion last year. What was that like for you? It, it was wonderful. Um, there were there were a lot of guys on the team that I had not seen in, oh, good Lord, I couldn't even tell you how many years. And so to be able to visit those guys and, and – it was, it was, you know, it was like, you know, we were a big family. And uh, it, it was kind of funny because it was just like we, we took up from where we left off type things. And, uh, you know, everybody was really, really super pumped up about, um, you know, seeing each other. I would not be here without every one of these guys right here. And Roger Craig, my second, my second dad, my teammates who came to battle every day. Mike Kruko, my roomie, who took me under the wing and taught me how to be a big leaguer. It is absolutely special to take the field with these gentlemen every day. So thank them for everything that they did. Uh, you etched your name into Giants lore. At such a level, the team has announced plans to retire your number 22. What, what does that mean to you? Oh, my God. It's, it is the you know, highest honor uh, that, that I could ever, you know, achieve as far as the San Francisco Giants go. I, uh, you know, have told several people, you know, that this is uh, my Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, I am a San Francisco Giant through and through. It was the organization I, I came up with. It was the organization I had the most success. It was the organization that I spent the most time with. And to have a number retired it's just it's it's hard to fathom sometimes but at the same time you know it's another one of them having an adult beverage uh, smiling and laughing and giggling because uh you know you just think about it number 22 and just the way the numbers line up i'm gonna be up on the board next to number 24 the greatest that's ever lived that's quite a thought when you visualize the day 
when when all of this unfolds, what does it look like to you? Oh my, um, <laughs> um, I'm I'm pretty good at uh, public speaking. Um, it, it's it's been it's been something that I do a lot, and you know I'm really looking forward to being up there at the podium. And uh, to be totally honest with you, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a little tough to try to control the emotions. But I'm going to work my, my darndest at it. Um, I definitely want to thank, you know, a lot of people who helped me along the way. Like I said, you know, this is a team game. And, you know, I could not do the things I did personally without help from teammates, et cetera. And then the other thing is the fans. I definitely want to thank the fans and the organization for, you know, giving, giving, you know, myself a shot, but then for the fans being there and being so loyal and so loud and so vocal, it was, it's, it, you don't know how much it makes our job easy when the fans are behind you that much. Well, we'll let one of those fans thank you in return. Growing up a Giants fan, there's no two ways about it. You were my guy. And so I, 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 I don't know if I've ever had as much fun in a, in a sports conversation as I just had right now. Thank you so much for doing this. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for uh, having me on. hope you guys uh, do extremely well. Enjoy uh, your beginning of the summer and beginning of baseball season. Thank you, sir. Right well. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments, presented by Oracle. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive conversations, subscribe to the Inside Giant Moments podcast, presented by Oracle, now. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.